I'm going to start this message with a, with a series of questions. Um, the one that I really want to camp on toward the end is where does the tithe belong? Today I am teaching on tithing. I'm teaching on the tithe, and, and I will. I'll camp on that question. Where does the tithe belong? But I want to preface it by saying this. There is no downside to tithing. There are many messages that can be taught on tithing, and this is just one of them. I'm not really going to talk about the protection that comes in tithing. I'm not really, I'm going to reference Malachi 3.10, but I'm not going to camp there at all. You guys can study that, but there's, there's a blessing and there's protection and there's covering and tithing. That's not this message. That's not what this is. But I do want to address some common sense things that oftentimes aren't common sense because we have bought into some misconceptions we bought into some religious ideals. And, and it's good just to set the standard and to talk about what is tithing and to just ask and then answer some simple questions. So let's start here. What is the tithe? The tithe means tenth. Plain and simple, the tithe means tenth. So the tithe is 10% of your income. Next question. Is the tithe part of the Old Testament and the Old Covenant or the New Testament and the New Covenant? Great question. The answer is both. Both. It was established in the Old Testament as part of the Old Covenant, but it was never done away with. Why? Because there is no downside to tithing. Why would you do away with something that only brings blessing and advances the kingdom of God? Let me ask, let me, let me state that again. Why in the world? Because there are those who go, well, the tithing is an Old Testament principle and it was done away with in the New Covenant. Let me ask you this. Why would God do away with something that is only good? Why would He do that? It only blesses us. It only strengthens us. It only blesses and strengthens the church and it only advances the kingdom of God. So does it make any sense that God would do away with that? None. So the people who often say that and, and that it was done away with, it was part of the old covenant and didn't make its way into the new covenant, I can only draw the conclusion that they fail to see the blessing in it. Friends, it's not about, oh, I'm forced to give up 10% of my income. If we have that thought, we're not seeing the blessing in it. We're not seeing the good in it. And we're not partaking in the things that God wants us to partake in to advance His kingdom in it. In the New Testament, Jesus mentions the tithe. The writer of Hebrews mentions the tithe. Paul mentions the tithe time and time again. Friends, this is not just an Old Testament principle. For the sake of time, I'm not going to preach very many of those New Testament passages. I'm going to be in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. But I have a whole list of those passages in the New Testament where the tithe is mentioned and celebrated. Another question. Should I tithe before taxes or after? I don't care. I don't... I, I, I don't know. I, I do know this. 
that in the Word of God, oftentimes the tithe is mentioned right in conjunction with first fruits. And that we're to bring the first 10% to the Lord. We're not supposed to wait until we pay bills and do this and this and then see what we have left over. And if we have enough, then we pay the tithe. That is not first fruits. Okay? That is not. We bring the first tenth to the Lord. So does that mean pre-Uncle Sam or post-Uncle Sam? I don't care. I don't care. I don't know that God totally cares. Honestly, as long as we're doing this, as long as we're living life mimicking Christ and his generosity, Christ-like generosity. You guys, how can we go wrong if we're living a life of Christ-like generosity? So so don't, don't get hung up on that one thing. Well, I tithe, you know, after taxes, because to me that makes it fine. Beautiful. Praise God. Just do it as that first ten. That is fine, you guys. And I will encourage you this. If that truly is the case, are, are we tithing off our tax return? Or do we look at that as ours? That's our spending spree. You know, I, I don't know. It's just, let's live our lives with just Christ-like generosity. Who should be tithing? The next question, who should be tithing? Everyone. Everyone. Who is exempt from tithing? No one. No one. What about pastors? Are pastors exempt? No. We tithe. What about missionaries? Are they exempt? No. Our missionaries tithe. Is the church exempt from tithing? No. We tithe. Did you guys know that? We take 10% of what comes into this church. Luckily, we have a phenomenal bookkeeper. She is amazing and proactive and awesome. And so we're constantly looking at what's coming in and adjusting the tithe. But here's the bad news to that, guys. When our tithes are low, that 10% that goes out, we have to cut it back. When our tithes are high, you guys, we round up, man. We, we give more. If the tithes drop and drop and drop, then our missionaries who are on the field will get, they will receive what we've committed to them before we pay some bills. We're not, we're not going to back off from Eric and Katie Ingdahl. We're not going to back off you know, from some of those people. But here's the bad thing. We have had to cut back in some other areas because it is what it is. We take 10% of what comes in and we tithe to Eric and Katie Ingdahl, Erie Uplink, NCMI, Shepherd's Heart Ministry, Mike Hanchett, and Matthew Boardwell. It's not evenly divided. We, we have others weighted heavier than others. The lowest amount we give is $75 a month. The highest amount we give, I want to say, is over $300 a month. And, and it, it just ranges. And Eric and Katie, just so you guys know, Eric and Katie are the highest recipients of anything that we give at this church. Um, so we tithe. Why? why? Why would the church tithe? I guess a better question would be, why wouldn't we tithe? Do we want to miss out on the blessing and the covering and the protection that comes with acknowledging God? There's no way we're going to do that. You guys, no, one, no one's exempt from tithing. The church isn't exempt from tithing. Tithing is a demonstration of submission. Tithing is a demonstration of faith. Tithing is a demonstration of trust. It's a covenant exchange with God. 
And it's a forerunner to the release of God's blessing. There's not a person in this room, whether we're tithing or not, that needs to be uncomfortable right now. Because what we're talking about is good and only good. What we're talking about is blessing. What we're talking about is trust of God. Friends, as a Christian, we can't trust Him with a portion of our life. You know, when my kids were born, there were different times. I'm a very ceremonial guy. And at different times when my kids were born, in the middle of a worship service at the church we were going to at the time, I, I would take my kid, like one by one, I would take my baby, my infant, up to, up, like, to, to the altar. And I would just, like, weep. And hold my baby and say, she's yours. She's yours. Now, for my son, it was for Acacia, I did it probably like the first week we were back in church. Now, for Jordan, for some reason, it took me longer because I'm like, that's my boy. But I'm like, no, Lord, that's, that's your man. And so I, I, I took him. It took a while. And I'm like, this is, I give him to you. I give him to you. I trust you with his life. I trust you with her life. Friends, we can't trust God with just a portion of our life. That's not trust. And it's the faithful, man. It's, it's I, I don't know who's behind me, and I don't know what's behind me, but I'm just going to look up and I'm just going to fall. Who does the tithe belong to? This one's so easy. This one's super easy. Anybody want to just guess at this one? Who's the, who's the tithe belong to? The tithe belongs to the Lord. There's a passage that says those exact words. The tithe belongs to the Lord. But where does the tithe belong? How do we get the tithe to the Lord? It belongs to the Lord. So where does it belong and how do we get the tithe to God? Friends, this one is just as easy. The answer to this one is just as easy. If you study the Bible, there is no, zero ambiguity on this topic in the Word of God. I don't know why we've made it confusing because the Bible is crystal clear about what it is. That said, having grown up in the ministry, having graduated from a Christian university, having served on, on various ministry leadership teams throughout the years, I've heard every conceivable idea about where the tithe belongs. But I will say this. Unfortunately, many of those ideas of where the tithe belong all revolve around one thing. Self. Many of those ideas of where the tithe belong revolves around self. Focus on self, attention to self, desires of self, desire to control where the tithe goes, desire to control what the tithe is used for, when none of those things that we don't have the right to do. It's all laid out in the Word of God. You guys, there's actually people who will tell you that God told them to tithe to themselves. That is incredibly convenient. How great is that? How wonderful is that? Boy, what an am- how convenient is that? Lord, the tenth belongs to you. Lord, the tenth belongs to you. I am not going to compromise on that. Here's the ten percent. It's yours. Thank you, Lord, that you blessed me with the 90%. Thank you, Lord. So let's get back to this 10%. Lord, 
Lord, where do you want that to go? What? Me? You want the time to go to me? Yay! <laughs> Yay, God! You didn't have to do that, but you did. So let's go shopping. Sounds crazy, right? Most of the misconceptions of tithing do revolve around self. They're just normally not that dramatic. Deuteronomy 12.5 says this. And we are going to stay in Deuteronomy 12 for a while. That's going to be the core. I'm going to go 5 through 8. I'm going to go Deuteronomy 12, 13 and 14. Deuteronomy is jam-packed with instruction on where the tithe goes. Deuteronomy 12.5 says this. But you shall seek the place the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes to put his name and make its habitation there. There you shall go. You guys, Deuteronomy 12 will be our primary text because the Lord makes it abundantly clear. And as we read this, we're going to see time and time and time again, God calls us to a place. And in that place, we bring the tithe. The tithe belongs to the Lord, but He calls us to a place. And in that place, we bring the tithe, we bring our service, we bring, we bring our heart. So before we dive into this, I want to go over a couple, just a few more common false beliefs or misbeliefs or misconceptions or we, we can have a nicer word for it. I mean, I, what's, what's a nicer word for false belief? Someone help me out because I'm trying. What, how can we soften this any? Misunderstanding, would you say? Hey, mistranslation? Katie, what you got? It doesn't matter what you got because you're as cute as can be. We'll just go with misunderstanding. That, that's nice and soft. Thank you for your willingness. That's awesome. Misunderstanding about tithing. Number one, we've all heard this before. I tithe where I'm fed. I tithe where I'm being fed. It sounds good, but friends, unfortunately, that is not in the Word of God. That is not a biblical principle. The tithe is the Lord's, and He has already determined where it goes. And it belongs in the storehouse. It belongs in the local church where He has called you to. If you tithe where you're being fed. Now hear me. If you tithe where you're being fed, then I guess it would make sense that we tithe to ourselves. Because as mature Christians, every one of us should be able to feed ourselves. Now when you come here, I'm happy to provide you with a meal. Right now, I'm hoping it's a wonderful meal and I'm hoping you leave here stuffed. But how many people eat one meal a week? Raise your hand. I don't. How many people eat one meal a week? I'm, I'm happy to feed you right now. I am happy to do so. I love talking about Jesus. I love diving into the Word of God. But if this is the only meal we eat, we're going to be malnourished. The idea of tithing where you are fed is rooted in manipulation and is linked to performance. And that concept is not biblical. That concept developed... And I am not pointing fingers because, I, I mean, I value the fivefold ministry, but historically, that concept was developed by evangelists on TV 
who were trying to increase their giving. That's where that concept developed. And I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just stating history. You don't tithe where you're fed, guys. You tithe where God has called you. There's a cousin to this ploy, and it's just as ungodly, and that says this, I pay tithe as payment for good teaching. Which means that Kara and my kids and myself are most of the time just out of luck. Just plain out of luck. Sorry, Mark, you guys don't eat today. Marginal message, marginal message. Here's five bucks. It's ungodly, guys. It's not a scriptural concept. You guys, if one ministry is more worthy than another to receive the tithe, then God is a respecter of persons. And if this is the case, then God has set up ministries to compete with one another, not to complement one another, not to advance the kingdom of God, you know, the kingdom of God together, but to compete. And what would always be the result of this? Every time. Division. Division. Every time. The biblical principle is actually the exact opposite of this. It says tithe and God will see to it that you're fed. Second Chronicles 31.4 says this, And he commanded the people who lived in Jerusalem to give the portion due to the priests and the Levites so that they might be free to give themselves to the law of the Lord. Another false belief or misconception about tithing is I tithe where there is good ground. I tithe where there's good ground. You guys, unfortunately, this is not found in the Bible either. This is not a biblical passage. And I'll, I'll tell you this, I've used that before. I've used that before. I've said that before. You, you may have heard me say, hey, when you're given to Impact Rock, I just want you to rest assured that you're given to good ground. You're given to good, fertile soil. You guys, it's not scriptural. You're telling me that God only brings multiplication when we give into good ground? Is that what we're saying? Because if so, we're contradicting Jesus and we're contradicting the Father. Nowhere in the Bible are we told to give tithe or offerings into good ground. Some of you are doubting right now, and that is okay, because I want you to go home and dive in your word and prove me wrong if you can. But it's not there. Some people use the parable of soils found in Matthew 13, Mark 4, Luke 8, as their basis to look for good ground into which to tithe or sow. But there's one problem. That is not what that parable is teaching. If that were the parable of the teaching, then the most ignorant person of all would be God because he intentionally sowed into bad ground. In that parable, he intentionally sowed into hard soil, thorny soil, bad soil, soil that he knew would never produce a harvest. Small percentage good soil. And he sowed frivolously. Why? Because that's our God. He's generous. And we're to, we're to emulate Christ-like generosity. Matthew 13, 37 says that the one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. Okay? So Jesus, God, is the one who sows the seed. And I think we can all agree that our God is not ignorant or unknowing of how to bring about fruit. Mark 4.14 says, The sower sows the word. The sower sows what? The word. You guys, this isn't talking about tithes. This isn't talking about offerings. It's not. I know it makes reference to seed, but the seed is the word of God that we're to be frivolous with. It's not talking about finances. 
And then Matthew 13, 19 says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. The ground is the hearts of men. It's the hearts of men, guys. It's not a church. It's not a church that's either producing results that we like or not. It's the hearts of men. This parable is not about finding good places to plan our finances. God's called us to that. We're going to circle back on Deuteronomy. I could sit there and just drive home that passage, but there's so many others I want to get to. So forgive me if I'm, if I'm going fast. Everyone loves to hear about a hundredfold return, and it's a scriptural concept. Hundredfold, hundredfold. Friend, the hundredfold return is not a product of sowing into good ground. It's not. It's a product of trusting God and being obedient to what He's done. And here's my biblical support for what I just said. Genesis 26. Now there was a famine, everyone say famine, in the land, besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Once again, we see that God calls us to a specific land. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. For to you and to your offspring, I will give you all the lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. Let's go down to verse 12. Okay? And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. I don't know what your understanding of a famine is, and I'm not a, I'm not a farmer, so someone can help me out. I wasn't raised on a farm. But my understanding of a famine is the ground is really hard and unproductive because it hasn't rained. If we'll look over here at this map right here, over here we have a famine and it's ridiculously dry. There's no rain, no rain on this map. Bad soil. And that's where God told Isaac to sow to. And what was the result? What was the result? A hundredfold return. Guys, it's not about how good we are at finding good ground. It's about how faithful we are to do what God has told us to do. His blessing wasn't because of the good ground that he sowed into. The blessing because it was, was because of a good God that he served and that he was obedient to. Guys, this should bring us tremendous freedom. It really should. I guarantee you my, my family's checkbook is as tight as anyone else's in this church. Maybe, maybe there's others a little tighter, but it's tight, man. And we have to trust the Lord with the tithe. If I have fear, I'm not afraid of not, uh, of not having enough. But what I'm a, if there's any trepidation in my heart, it's missing out on the blessing and the covering and the protection that comes if I didn't tithe. Once again, I'm not going there. Matthew or Malachi 3:10 is another is another sermon, but go there. 
God told Isaac to dwell in the land and I will be with you and I will bless you. Despite the natural, right? Despite the drought, right? They were in a time of drought. Remember the map over here, time of drought. Despite the natural, Isaac trusted God. This is what tithing is all about. Despite the natural, I trust God. This is what tithing is all about. Despite the natural, I trust God. See, I'm not the one that has to store up in my storehouse to make to get ready for a rainy day. I bring what is the Lord's, the tithe is the Lord's, into his storehouse, and I trust him. Let me group a couple more misconceptions together. Jesus is my high priest, and I tithe where he tells me to tithe. And then the other, I tithe in more than one place. These are both unscriptural with a caveat. And here's my caveat. God has called the pikes to two places. So they tithe in two places. They're here with us for a season, and they tithe here when they're here. And then when they go, I don't know, this is home, so I don't even know what I called their other home. <laughs> But God's called them there too, and they have a church there too. And when they're there, they tithe. So that's my caveat when I talk about the dividing the tithe. Because God has called them to two places. They're snowbirds. They get the best of both worlds. They've got like bigger families. I mean, family here, family there. That's my caveat, okay? But other than that, we don't divide the tithe. Why? Because you're not in control of it. God didn't call you to two churches. He calls us to one place. See, we all think we choose, you know, because we know we have freedom, right? We all think, well, I chose this place. God didn't call me here. I chose it. And if I, if I don't like what I'm hearing, I'll go. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I just said that. You're not supposed to let me say stuff like that. No, God called us here. See, this was Kara Camille Johnston. And I'm a fool if I think that I just simply chose her. God called me to her. I married her because that was the plan of God. And he protected me along the way from, from really foolish decisions. And he, and he, but he, he called me to this. Guys, if you're here right now, and this is your church home, it's because God called you here. God called me here. There's no accidents. It's all throughout his word. The truth is this, that in the New Testament, there is no scripture telling us where to tithe. In the New Testament, if you look, there's not a single scripture telling us where to tithe. And there's a good reason for that. It was understood. It was understood. The Bible was written under the, the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit by Jewish men. I don't know about Hebrews. could be a woman. It could be Priscilla. I don't know. But for the most part, Jewish men who understood the tithe, who understood where it went, who understood that it went to the storehouse. So they're not going to reiterate. They know their audience. But here's an example of Paul speaking to the Corinthians about the tithe. In 1 Corinthians 9, 13 and 14, it says, Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple? And those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings in the same way the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. In these passages, 
Paul just acknowledges the practice of tithing and that is to go to the ministry. You guys, the principles of tithing are the same in the New Testament as they are in the Old Testament. The principles are good and they're godly and there's blessing and there's no downside to tithing. So I, I, I had to, I even prayed for this in pre-service. This is a pretty serious topic. I need to do so whether there's joy and, and life in it and not be so serious. And I wish I had better jokes to come insert. Is this, is the battery's dying on me on this or am I doing something wrong because it's fading on me? If I do, someone just bring me the handheld. Last false belief about tithing. I want to dictate where my tithe goes and how it's used. Sorry, guys. I mean, we're friends. I love, we're family. But it doesn't work that way. You don't get control where the tithe goes. That's not your call. That's not. God has dictated where it goes. And then you've got to trust that place that he's called you to and how it's used. Now, we have transparency. But guys, it's, and I don't want to be that broken record, but it's manipulative and it's controlling to think that we get to control where the tithe goes and what it's being used for. God was very specific in his direction as to where the tithes and the offerings were to be presented. And he even cautions them in Deuteronomy, which we're finally here. He cautions them about knowing that there would be a strong temptation for every man to do what was right in his own eyes. Let's read it. Deuteronomy 12, 5 through 8. But you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all of your tribes to put his name and make his habitation there. There you shall go, and there you shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes, and the contribution that you present, your bow offerings, your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herd and your flock. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice, you and your households, in all that you undertake, in which the Lord your God has blessed you. You shall not do according to all that we are doing here today, everyone doing whatever is right in his own eyes. Down to verse 13. Take care that you do not offer your burnt offerings at any place that you see, but at the place that the Lord will choose in one of your tribes. There you shall offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I am commanding you. You guys, I believe that God called you here. I believe that God called me here. And here's what I believe the Lord did. In that calling to bring us here, I believe he put the desire within our hearts and it felt good and we felt at home. Not just, not just emotionally, but spiritually, we felt at home. And God made it feel so good that it's so easy to think, no, I chose this because I felt at home. No, the Lord brought you home because he called you to be here. 
But it was God's call. He directed you here. Now there's any number of tribes, any number of Christian churches he could have called you to. Before we choose a church, and I've, I've had conversations with, with most of you in this place about this. You prayed about what, where to make your church home. You prayed about, Lord, is this where I'm supposed to be? And then you, you said, yeah, Lord, this is where you're calling me. Friends, our entire Christian life should be spent with that same amount of prayer, with the understanding that God called us here, so how does he want to use us here? But I will say this. Every single one of us should be used in advancing the kingdom in the tithe. I'm going to skip a bunch of stuff, so Trinity, work with me. You guys, I've heard a lot of Christians nitpick about these scriptures, and I've heard a lot of Christians nitpick about the tithe, and whether it's an uh, old covenant or new covenant, whether it was abolished with the covenant. They search for evidence to support that, but in every one of these cases where I've heard Christians nitpick, I always walk away with something, the same thing. They're looking for ways to give less. They're looking for ways to give to our Lord less. They're looking for less ways to give to our God. And that baffles me. And that baffles me. Giving less. How is that Christ-like? But you know what? We have the freedom to do that. We do. God is not a taskmaster. This is not going to be automatic withdrawal into the tithe. We can't do automatic withdrawal into the tithe. No, we can't. No, no. He gives us the freedom. The freedom not to give. The freedom to sow sparingly, which results in reaping sparingly. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7 says this. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a what? A cheerful giver. So, part of my job as a pastor is, is to move you. To move the sheep from one place to another. And, and I know that that's not comfortable. And I know I'm kind of moving some of you right now. And that's okay. And I'm just being obedient to my Father because this is His church. This is Jesus' church and this isn't my church. And it's okay for there to be temporary irritation. But at some point we've got to get the sand out of our shorts and we've got to see the truth in this. If we have decided in our heart to not give, hear me guys, if we have decided in our heart to not give, do we think that reflects Jesus? If we have decided in our heart to control the giving, you know, we want to stay over where it goes. Do we think that reflects Jesus? Isn't our goal to be more like Jesus? Isn't that what we strive to do is to be like Jesus? You guys, there was no one more generous than Jesus. 
Now, the father's generosity was he gave his only son. The son's generosity was total obedience to the father at the point of laying down his life, at the point of being separated from the father, enduring the sin and shame of the world, bearing that upon a shameful death and a horrendous execution. Jesus gave that. He gave freely of his life. Our our Jesus is not some wimpy, feminine Jesus. He's not Renaissance art Jesus. He is manly Jesus. No one took his life. He laid it down. And we're supposed to be like him. We're supposed to strive to be like him. You guys, and I don't think, let me clarify this, I don't think this reflects this church, but unfortunately it reflects the body of Christ. If we are scheming for ways to give less, We are not reflecting our generous God. You guys, tithing is not the Mount Everest of Christian stewardship. It's not. It's not the pinnacle that we should be aiming for. Tithing, Mount Everest. I want to plant my flag up there. You guys, tithing is just the foothills. Tithing is just the foothills. That's just part of what we... We walk over. We don't climb foothills. We walk over to get to all the places of Christian stewardship that God has called us to be. Now, I'll I'll just be vulnerable with you right now and share. There's a reason I'm bringing this message today, and that's because right now our numbers are low. What's in our account is low. And and if you know us, you know that we're hardworking. And and Kara changed jobs. She's no longer across the street. She had to find a job that paid more. We got a new used car so that I can drive Uber once, a, once or twice a week just to kind of, you know, we, we're bracing ourselves because if we have to surrender salary, which is what we told our board of advisors that we were willing to do in order to have this place, that if we have to surrender salary, we're positioning ourselves that we can do that. But we don't want to do that, guys. There's enough families in this church that if we were if we were tithing, guys, this wouldn't even be a consideration. Now God's going to grow this church, but I'm not talking about I'm not talking to the empty seats that will soon be filled by other people. I'm talking to the people that God has called to be in this church right now. And the tithe belongs to the Lord, and there's blessing in it. This, this shouldn't be heavy-handed, guys. This is all about trust, and it's not about the circumstances. My circumstances kind of suck right now. But I trust God and they're gonna and He's faithful and we haven't missed a meal. We gotta trust the Lord. I, I can't just I would I would be so ashamed of myself if I only brought those feel good messages that didn't challenge us. And I'd be even more ashamed if God put a word on my heart to preach and I did not give it for fear of stepping on toes. I can't do that, guys. And God gave me this word to share at this moment. I've had this word since December. And God gave me this word to share at this moment. And I'm telling you right now, we can trust our God. Our God is trustworthy. We can trust our God. Now, I, I don't want to do anything manipulative at all in this. You know, I, I, I prayed. I'm like, Lord, should we like bring the ties forward? I mean, we one time I talked about giving, and afterwards Brandon's like, Preacher, when you're done with something like that, you gotta pass the plate. I'm, I'm not gonna do that because I, I want us to do what's in our hearts to do. 
So I'm not going to pass the plate. I'm not going to have you guys bring giving forward. You know where to give. There's, there's a basket there. There's, you know, an iPad there. and there's, there's, You know how to give. Purpose what's in your heart to give. And don't do so because I preached some compelling message. It wasn't that compelling. We give because we believe and we obey and we set our eyes on Christ and we trust Him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that you are so trustworthy. Lord, I'm a passionate guy, and Lord, my concern right now is that in my passion, Lord, that in any way it might have been heavy-handed. And I I say, Lord, if that is the case, then Lord, uh, Lord, I repent of that if that is the case. But Lord, I ask that that your Holy Spirit would just soothe our hearts with hope and faith right now, because that's what this message is all about. It's a message of hope and faith and trust that we can trust you. So, Lord, where I might have been, Lord, too passionate um, in any way, I just ask, Lord Jesus, you would bring life, Holy Spirit, that you would guide us into the truth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the generosity that he has modeled for all of us. The truth of this blessed principle, Lord, that was established in the Old Testament and continues in our new covenant with you. In Jesus' name, amen.